Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. For those of you who are visiting, or if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I am Pastor John, the senior pastor here at Stonebridge. And let me just say Merry Christmas to everybody first. Okay, that was the, we've had a couple other services. You were the most robust response. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. I feel married at Christmas now. So I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, which doesn't get read a lot at Christmas. I'm just going to be reading Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, just this one verse. And I'm going to invite you to join with me in prayer. So Mark chapter 1, verse 1 reads, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm going to read that one more time. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we gather here to celebrate the day when you became human, when you became one of us. We thank you that in the person of Jesus, you were present. And because of that, you are with us now. Wherever it is we might be, whatever it is we might experience, experiencing, Lord, you are with us. Help us to trust in that. Help us to take comfort in that. Help us to embrace that truth. Help us, Lord, to understand what Christmas really means for each and every one of us. Speak to us now through your scriptures. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what I read there, obviously, is the introduction to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of them tells the story of Jesus, but they tell Jesus' story in slightly different ways. And when I read that introduction to Mark there, it's only one line. But I think it's actually become my favorite of all of the introductions to the Gospels. Mark doesn't give us a lot of background he doesn't give us a lot about Jesus before his ministry. In fact, he just doesn't give us a lot. It's just that one line. Now, please don't misunderstand. When I say that this is my favorite, I'm not saying the other ones are bad. It's not that their introductions are, are bad. They're good. They're very good introductions. But Marx has begun to stand out to me. Each of these introductions, though, is important. Each of them will give us a different picture of Jesus. And one thing that frustrates me is that when we get to Christmas time, it's like we just take a bunch of different pieces from the different introductions in the Gospels and throw them all together. And you get this really mushy presentation of who Jesus is. Jesus' personality doesn't really stand out. A good example of this, of just us taking random things and throwing them all together. And this drives me up the wall. I'll admit that this drives me bonkers. Every single nativity scene ever just drives me up the wall. And here's why. Well, first off, the reason is I'm totally neurotic. That's the real reason. But the other reason is in the nativity scene, you have the little manger scene, the barn scene, you have the animals, you have Mary, you have Joseph, you have the shepherds there, and then you have the wise men. And all of you might be saying, yeah, of course. But the thing is, if you read the introductions to Jesus closely in the Gospels, the wise men and the shepherd were never at the same place. 
The wise men come from the gospel of Matthew. The shepherds are in the gospel of Luke. They're never in the same place. In fact, the wise men probably showed up a year or so after Jesus was born. And they showed up to his home, not some random manger at an inn somewhere. Now it drives me nuts. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you want to make me happy, which you shouldn't, but whatever, (laughs) go home, find your manger scene, take the wise men out of it, okay? Find the most Eastern part of your house, set the wise men there, and then slowly through the next year, have them journey to Jesus. (laughs) Then you'll know your your manger scene, it's biblically accurate. You're good to go. It drives me wild. Now, the reason it drives me wild, they said, is I'm neurotic and I'm weird and I can't get over simple things that most people can just walk by and say, oh, that's pretty. I can't do that. That's just me. But the real reason, the reason that actually matters is that each of these gospels presents Jesus in a specific way, introduces you to Jesus in a specific way for specific reasons. And different people are going to connect with different types of gospels. So for instance, If you're somebody who likes political intrigue or you like watching TV shows with fantasy drama and political intrigue and people fighting each other, the gospel of Matthew is right up your alley. Like let's say you're a Game of Thrones fan or something, which, you know, God help you. The ending was horrible on that. But if you like that type of stuff, the gospel of Matthew is that. It begins with a a dream Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, has a dream of an angel telling him that Jesus is going to be born. And then Jesus is born. And these wise men, like I said, they come from the east. They show up. They ask the king who's ruling at the time, Herod, that's his name, where the new king of the Jews has been born. And you can almost feel Herod's jealousy, his suspicion rise up inside of him. You can almost feel him become angry. And he starts trying to figure out where Jesus is so that he can go and take Jesus's life because he doesn't want another king to show up. He ends up taking the lives of all these other boys who were born around the same time. The wise men find Jesus though. They warn his family and then Jesus and his family pack up and they flee down into Egypt. That's all one story that introduces us to who Jesus is, to what he experienced. It shows us certain aspects of his personality. And certain people are going to connect with that introduction to Jesus more than the other ones. Because I'm sure some of you are thinking Game of Thrones was a terrible show. I don't like that nerd stuff. That's okay. You might be into like art, things looking beautiful. And if that's you, the gospel of Luke introduces Jesus in this beautiful way. There isn't all this political intrigue really. The gospel of Luke begins with Mary, not Joseph, Jesus's father, but Mary, his mother. And it's not a dream. An angel comes directly to Mary and says, Jesus is going to be born and starts telling her all of the things Jesus is going to do. And Mary bursts out into this beautiful song that she sings, praising God for what's about to happen. In the gospel of Luke, we get all sorts of background information on Jesus's family. We learn that Mary's relatives are Elizabeth and Zechariah, that John the Baptist was actually their child and he's a relative of Jesus. And then it culminates, the introduction into the John the, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it culminates in this scene where these shepherds are out in a field and angels break through into the sky and they start singing about the fact that Jesus is born. And the shepherds have to go and see what's happening. It's a beautiful scene. 
There isn't the same political drama. There isn't all the fighting and the, the violence that you see in Matthew. But there's just this beautiful picture of Mary being faithful, of the angels heralding Jesus, ushering him into the world. And certain people are going to connect with that one, with that introduction, with that presentation of Jesus. But there's some of you where you're like, eh, I don't like either of those because you like deep philosophy. You're the kind of person who goes and sits at a coffee shop and you wear a beret and you talk about French people whose names I can't pronounce. And you talk about these deep ideas. Well, the gospel of John is for you. It presents Jesus through Greek philosophy. It starts off with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That term, the word, that's a Greek philosophical term that was debated in Greek philosophy. It was something that came from Greek philosophers. And the Gospel of John uses it to help people understand who Jesus is. So if you like philosophy, if you like thinking deeply, then John is going to introduce you to Jesus in a good way. You start to see that each of these introductions, they're going to reach different people. They're going to help us all understand Jesus in slightly different ways. But the question with the Gospel of Mark is, is who in the world would prefer that introduction? It's one line. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God. That's it. That's all the introduction is. Then we jump right into Jesus being baptized and his ministry starts off. There's no background with his family. There's no background with Herod. There's no deep philosophical thoughts. None of that stuff is there. Mark simply assumes that Jesus exists, that he's here, and now let's get going. That's all the introduction is. And the kind of person who would think that that's their favorite, well, like I said, it, I think it's kind of where I've found myself recently. The kind of person who I think likes that introduction is somebody who wants to keep things simple. Life can feel overwhelming. Life can feel complicated. And sometimes all of that background stuff, though it has its place, you don't really need it. What you really need is to just understand Jesus is here. He's present. Jesus is there. Wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, you're not alone. Jesus is there. There's something beautiful in that simplicity. And it's not just that some people might want that. I actually think a lot of people today might need that kind of simple message. Might need to just understand the simple truth that Jesus is here. Uh, Harvard did a study about a year ago where they looked at loneliness in the United States. And through their research, they estimated that about a third of Americans would express that they are deeply lonely. A third. I'll do the math for you. What that comes out to is about 109 million people in our country who, if you ask them, are you deeply lonely? They would say, yes. That's what they're feeling. That's what they're experiencing. There's a lot of people out there feeling that right now. And just by math alone, some of you in the room are in that category. Some of you feel that sense of loneliness too. And it's not just that loneliness is sad. Loneliness is actually correlated with a number of other problems. Early morbidity, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, domestic abuse. I could go on. But the more isolated and disconnected and lonely people feel, the worse it brings out in them. 
the harder it makes living these lives that God has given us. Loneliness is real. And in those moments where you or somebody you know is feeling that, I don't know how effective a bunch of political intrigue would be or a beautiful scene. I don't know if it would connect or deep philosophical thoughts. I don't know how helpful that actually is. But the simple basic message that you are not alone might be the reminder that you or somebody else needs. And at its core, that's the message of Christmas. That's why I like how Mark introduces Jesus in this gospel. It's basically just assuming right away, look, Jesus is here. Now look at all the things he's done. Jesus is here. Now look at what he can do in your life. Jesus is here. You aren't alone. And when you embrace that, I think the rest of the Bible and the whole Christian faith makes so much more sense. Because the whole point of the Bible, its whole message at its core, is simply that God wants to be present with you. From the moment Adam and Eve bit into the apple, fell from grace, the moment they felt shame for the first time, and people started feeling shameful and disconnected and lonely and isolated, from that moment on, God has done everything possible to be present with humanity. God reached out to a man named Abraham, through his descendants, set up a nation, traveled with that nation through the desert. And at the end of the Bible, the very end, the picture the Bible ends on is a picture of God dwelling in a city with human beings. From the beginning to the end, the message of the Bible is that God is doing everything possible to be present with you. And here at Christmas, in Jesus' birth, we get the clearest glimpse of that. God became human to be present with you. Jesus broke into this world so that you would know you are not alone. So that you could have hope for something better. So that you could trust that whatever it is you're experiencing, you're not alone. And in the holidays especially, I think things get busy. We get distracted. We lose sight of the simple truth that God is present with us. We lose sight of so much in the holidays. And while many of us celebrate, many others experience that loneliness even more. People have said goodbye to loved ones this last year. People have said goodbye to people they cared about and they're celebrating now without that person here. That kind of sadness, it feels more pronounced in the midst of the holidays. But the message of Christmas is that simple message of Mark's beginning and introduction. Whatever it is you're experiencing, Jesus is here. Jesus is present. You are not alone. That's the good news that Mark tells us about. That's the good news that we celebrate. So both in those difficult times and in those joyous celebrations, some of you are grieving deeply right now. Some of you are going to have great Christmases. You're going to love every minute of it. In both of those, in whatever circumstances, you are not alone. God is present with you. And may you rest in that. May you trust in that. And may you embrace that simple message. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you became human, that you became one of us. We thank you that in Jesus, you made sure that we would never be alone, that you are present with us now, that that's been your desire from the very beginning, before the moment we were even born, Lord. Though we don't always feel it, though we can feel isolated, that we can feel lonely, that we can feel alone. The truth is we are not. So help us, Lord, to rest in that, 
to trust in that. And as we take our offering now to use these gifts that we might be a congregation and a church that helps those who are feeling lonely and isolated to have community. It helps those who are feeling lonely and isolated to experience your presence through us. Use this, Lord, that other people might have hope in you as well. We celebrate your birth now, and we thank you that you are here with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Singing
step down 